Good morning. It is uh, seven minutes after nine o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Uh, we've got a lot going on today. We'll kick the program off with Mark Tapscott from uh, Epic Times. He's going to talk about what's going on in Capitol Hill with the House, uh, the House Speaker's uh, race. Uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is going to be on board at about nine thirty-five. Uh, then Murray Sabrin is going to be with us. He is a uh, uh, he's got a fascinating history. He's an economist uh, and. Uh, you're going to be fascinated with his story. And then uh, we will uh, finally uh, wrap the program up talking about a fundraiser with Matt Nichols. Uh, so that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, glad to have you with us. 874-9390 if you're local. Toll free 800-529-5572 if you're not. Or you can go to GaryNolan.com, send me a message. It'll pop up right here in studio. Mark, welcome to the program. How are you? Well, I am fine, Gary. How are you this morning? I am doing very well. Mark uh, writes uh, with for the Epic Times, uh, and I would argue uh, one of the finest, uh, and literally, I mean, I read the Wall Street Journal, uh, I, tons of papers. I really love what I'm seeing at the Epic Times. If you're, not a, if you're not a subscriber, you probably should be. Mark, what's going on on Capitol Hill? Is this, is this going to wrap up soon? What does it look like? Well, I'll tell you, and before I answer your question, thank you for the uh, compliments about Epoch. I've been involved in Washington journalism for 30 years, and it's the best thing I've ever been involved with. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I think uh, there is a modest chance, based on what happened last night, with especially with the Trump endorsement, um, that McCarthy... He might be able to pull it off on the first ballot today. Um, if he doesn't, and especially if he loses, say, four or five uh, members that have voted for him before, then it's going to be a long day, and I don't think Kevin McCarthy will become speaker. So this morning is kind of it. Um, it's the first ballot, yeah, I think is really going to be the most important. So what are some of the things uh, that affect this vote? I mean, if if some Democrats don't show up, does that affect it? If they just don't? Well, you know, McCarthy is, is quoted, uh, I think, in Politico this morning, saying something that, um, you know, if people don't show up or they just vote present, then that lowers the threshold for the required majority. Um, and he points out that, you know, Jeffrey's got 212 votes. All you need then is 213 if people don't show up. And that's oh. true, but, but, but that's, that's pretty risky because it also lowers the threshold for, uh, Hakeem Jeffries and he's got 212 solid votes. And all he's got to do then is persuade a couple of the moderate quote unquote Republicans, um, to come over, and he's the speaker in a Republican majority house. Oh, dog vomit! Um, they're they're um, painting these uh, conservatives who are sort of mucking up the works uh, as extremists, uh, as crazy. Uh, what exactly do they want? Well, <clears throat> I'm not sure that anybody can say with with a hundred percent confidence what the right answer to that is, but. I think the best line of the day yesterday, frankly, was Congressman Chip Roy from Texas um, when he was nominating Jim Jordan, and he uh, pointed out that, you know, 
is this what it takes for all of us to be here in the chamber and actually have a real debate? Yeah. Um, you know, Congress has not functioned, and the House of Representatives especially has not functioned uh, as the founders intended for it to be um, for a long time. And there is a palpable frustration when when you talk to these guys, um, and and I mean long before this particular speaker's vote started, um, with the fact that, you know, the Republican Party promises and promises and promises, but too often they just don't deliver. And these guys like Chip Roy and Scott Perry from Pennsylvania and the, the others, uh, they're tired of it, and they just don't want to keep going along with it. So... You know, it's 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 maybe it's an example of the immovable object being hit by the unstoppable uh, bullet. Um, there's no way to get out of it. I don't think that's the case, but it sure does look like that. So if uh, if he loses a little support, the inertia starts to go the other way. Yeah, and it's wide open, wide open. Um, they're they're talking about a congressman from uh, Lorain County, Ohio, uh, Jim Jordan, to mm-hmm. to be the speaker. Jordan doesn't sound like he wants to be the speaker at all. Now, what happens? Well, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> I I've covered Jim Jordan for a long time, and when he says he doesn't want to be speaker, I think he really does mean that. But. If McCarthy, if it becomes clear that McCarthy is not going to make it and there starts to be a real shift to Jordan, he's going to have a decision to make. Um, do I, I, I don't want to do this job, but it looks like they want me to. And if it looks like he really can get the votes for it, then I will be amazed if he doesn't accept it. And, you know, I, and I do think if McCarthy doesn't make it, I think Jordan is. Either Jordan or maybe Patrick McHenry from from North Carolina uh, would be the logical guys to look at, not Steve Scalise. So what time is the uh, first vote scheduled for today? Well, they they, um, come into session at noon, and they've got, you know, a few procedural things to take care of, and then they will move pretty quickly to the first vote. Uh, and, and nothing else can get done until this choice is made. Is that right? These guys are all congressmen-elect until they have a speaker and they can actually be sworn in. Well, they're certainly being vilified uh, for holding out. I've been re- I mean, I'm a recovering Republican. I've been so frustrated with them for years. Uh, and I see these guys like Chip Roy at L, and I think, well, maybe there's some hope. Maybe there's some uh, some chance that uh, they'll get their wish. Is there a price to pay if they lose? You know, if you don't kill the king. Well, <clears throat> I tell you, if Kevin McCarthy is smart, and this this is just my personal view now, this, this is not based on reporting, but well, actually, it's based on thirty years of reporting. <laughs> <laughs> um, if Kevin McCarthy were to be vindictive, um, I think that would be a real stake, and it would be an indication that um, maybe he doesn't understand the importance of what's happening right now as well as he should. And frankly, I would be surprised if he did that, because uh, it's in his interest 
personally, his political interest, as well as a practical necessity for him, if he is to become a speaker, to be able to um, work with all 222 of them because they don't have a big majority. They just don't. Well, um, they're certainly vilified. Um, I admire their strength. Uh, the, the, uh, at the end of the day, then, uh, well, actually, at the beginning of the day, if he doesn't get what he needs uh, to pull this off, you may see his support begin to, to wane. Um, is there, so there is a possibility if, if he loses enough support. No, I guess that wouldn't happen. I was thinking if, if, if it tips a little more uh, in another direction, uh, can the Democrats walk in? But they really can't. Well, look, look, look at it this way. Um, think, think, think of it from the perspective of one of the quote-unquote moderate Republicans. They really, really do not like the, the, the Chip Roy's and the Matt Gates, and Scott Perry's. There is real anger um, and dislike there. And they've been saying, they started saying yesterday after the first vote, look, you know, do you really want to keep doing this and end up with a Democratic speaker? And I can see, I don't think it's unreasonable to think if it does continue as a stalemate for three or four or five of these guys on the moderate side, just to spite and to show, according to them, Chip Roy and company, see, we told you to go over to Hakeem Jeffries and say, hey, you want to be speaker? Wow. It's unlikely. It's unlikely. But I don't think it's absolutely unreasonable. Well, we're going to have to watch it unfold. We'll try to carry it live on the program uh, in the final hour of this show to see how that first vote goes. Uh, Mark, keep up the great work and uh, come back and let us know uh, sometime in the near future uh, just how this unfolds. You got it. All right, Mark Tapscott, uh, and it's Epic Times. You definitely want to you want to start reading that. Uh, it, I'm telling you right now, it is, in my opinion, probably the finest group of journalists. Uh, I've been interviewing them now for uh, quite some time uh, elsewhere, and I'm bringing them here because I have that much respect for them. They are that good. Up against the clock, got to take a quick break. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. It's 21 minutes after 9 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is going to be on board with us. Uh, apparently, the, uh, this is the third time as Secretary of State that he is going to uh, be opening the House. Um, he's going to uh, talk about the Secretary of State legislative agenda for 2023. Uh, it's going to deal with kids. you got kids in school. You're going to want to listen to this. Uh, and also uh, transparency and accountability. Uh, so Secretary uh, Ashcroft is going to be with us at about 9.35. And if you've got questions, he'll take calls, 874-9390-800-529-5572. And then, uh, because that's just the tip of the iceberg for today, uh, we are going to uh, have a conversation with a guy that I really admire. Um, He is... uh, Dr. Murray Sabrin. He's an economist. He'll be with us. Um, and uh, in fact, he's going to be a regular on the program. I think you're going to really enjoy him. Uh, and then we'll talk about a fundraiser here in uh, in Missouri. So we've got a lot of ground to cover. And then we've got the vote uh, based on what we just heard from Mark Tapscott. 
if this thing doesn't get nailed in the first round of voting, then it, it could very well go in an, a, a direction uh, that mainstream, Repo- well, not mainstream, because I, w- I would argue that um, most Republicans in uh, the House and Senate aren't expecting. Uh, this this could be, um, you know, this could be it. Uh, and we'll know in the first vote. We will try to carry that because it will happen uh, in the uh, in the first segment of the program. Uh, I'm, far, I'm sorry, in the final segment of the program. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Chip Roy did make a statement yesterday that has really been uh, resonating with people. He is one of those conservatives. He's from Texas who is really a conservative. Uh, Brian has the audio for that, and uh, we'll play it now. Go to the well, mic so we're all going to give speeches, and the American people are the big losers. That's what happens. We know that's what happens. The Rules Committee sits up there and passes a bill, sends it to the floor, and we have no debate on the floor of this body. We haven't been able to offer an amendment on the floor of this body since May of 2016. The former leader and I have discussed this right here. That's true. But the fact is, this place has to change. It has to change. And the change comes by either adopting rules and procedures that will make us actually do our job, or it comes from leadership. And people ask me, what do you want? I want the tools or I want the leadership to stop the swamp from running over the average American every single day. Wow. We can't keep doing this. I'm going to sit here until we figure out how to stop spending money we don't have. I don't want any more empty promises. I don't want any more, oh, don't worry, trust us, we'll do it. I want to know that we're going to be able to exercise our rights as a member of this body to stand up for the American people and actually fix this country. And it's not going to happen when we use our men and women in uniform in defense and wrap ourselves around that and then spend more money that we don't have, weakening that defense, weakening our country in the process. But that's what we just did. Ladies and gentlemen, I am asking for us to come together and figure out how to solve these problems. And to do that, I'm going to do what I did my very first act as a member of Congress or as a congressman-elect and nominate Jim Jordan for speaker. Now, All right, Jim is... So, this guy, I mean, does this guy sound uh, crazy to you? He's, and I said this yesterday, standing on principle. How many of you agree with what he just said? How many of you are tired of hearing the promises and never seeing them fulfilled. How many of you are tired of watching the Republicans cave? I mean, when it comes down to it, almost all the legislation that we see is edging further and further to the left. And there's nobody putting the brakes on. And you've got this handful of Republicans with enough testicular fortitude to stand up against the masses. I mean, I've been watching on Fox News. They've been vilified. You know, what's the matter with them? They're crazy. They're making the Republican Party look bad, blah, blah, blah. I admire them. Now, here is a lesson from government shutdowns. They should not give in. 
if they give in, then it looks like they were wrong from the get-go. If they stand their ground, they will probably win. I don't know about you, but I'm hoping they do. I don't think McCarthy is the guy. I think you get from McCarthy what we've been getting from the every Republican uh, going back 50 years. I, I frankly don't know why a guy like Chip Roy doesn't uh, go for it. They're so upsetting the apple cart. They're so upsetting the apple cart that all those moderate left-leaning Republicans are angry. It's like, you know, he, he peed in their cornflakes. But I think that's what it takes. I think it takes the kind of courage to stand for what you believe in, that you're willing to, to, to do what it takes to get it done, and those guys are. I like them. 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572. Uh, Jay Ashcroft is going to be on board with us. Uh, we'll kind of kick things around with him uh, as they uh, open up uh, and, and tell us about the legislative agenda. I'll be curious to see uh, where he thinks we're going to go. Uh, the game of life is woke now. Ruining it for all of us, Brian. Do you play any of these board games? It's been a long time since I played the game of life, but uh, I used to like that game. It was fun. You know, but, uh, I wonder... I, I what guess would... they updated it recently to, you know, accommodate the woke crowd. Yeah, I'm wondering what would happen uh, if the woke crowd got a hold of, say, chess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I'm... We I'm wouldn't have of, a king or a queen. I know I'm that. Thinking of, yeah, I'm thinking of Rex Singfield. <laughs> uh, he's probably he's probably spitting that I just said this. <laughs> yeah, the the queen could be the could just play the game by their rules. Yeah, just to say, hey, the king identifies as a queen, and, and she's taking <laughs> she's taking <laughs> your knight. I mean, <laughs> oh, oh Lord. <laughs> A viral Facebook post detailing changes to the newest version of the classic Hasbro game, The Game of Life, has fans upset. After realizing how it evolved from the original version, social media user Lindsay Harold laid out her issues with the board game. My girls got The Game of Life for Christmas, helping them to learn to play it. I expected a nostalgic experience full of memories of playing it as a child, but the game has changed profoundly. It's not at all the game I remember. Oh, there are similarities, of course. The general idea of living life through the course of the game and ending in retirement is still there. It still has college and career options, paydays, and a little car you can move along the board, adding more peg characters as you go. But in several major ways, it's, not, it's now very much a woke game. It's a microcosm of how society has changed over the last generation or so. <laughs> what, is there nothing they won't ruin? Is there nothing they won't ruin? Uh, in the newer version, uh, the pegs come in a rainbow of genderless colors, and not <laughs> all of them mean? are even human. <laughs> oh, Lord. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft coming up next on The Gary Nolan Show. It is the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show. 
Economics professor Dr. Murray Sabrin is going to be with us at about 10.05. Uh, in the meantime, we kick off this segment with Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. Uh, he, apparently, uh, one of the tasks that he has to do, and this is, I guess, his third time, is to uh, open the House. Uh, so, Mr. Secretary, welcome to the program. How are you this morning? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Doing great. Hope all your listeners are having a wonderful New Year. Yeah. Uh, well, we kicked it off with a great Christmas party that uh, you and your bride attended, and we really appreciate your coming in uh, for that. Uh, so, what are you going to tell? What are you going to do? What are you going to say uh, when you uh, start the new se- uh, session? You know, I'm going to thank them for their service. I'm going to remind them that it is a privilege to serve. It's not something you truly earn. It's a gift that's bestowed by the people. I'm going to remind them that public service is never done. It's a continuing process to do things better. And I'm going to call for them to uh, do things that will increase transparency and accountability in government, that will give parents more control uh, over their children in various settings, and also to make sure that we're doing the right things to make sure that people can feel safe where they live uh, and that um, when we do incarcerate people, we're doing what we should be doing to give them a chance to be rehabilitated and be productive members of society. When it comes to education, and you know this, and you and I disagree to a certain extent about this, because I, I absolutely would never, ever have government schools. Uh, I just don't think it's the government's job. They're, they're supposed to protect my rights, not educate my children at the expense of my neighbors. But one, but we are stuck with this system, at least for now. Uh, how can you, you know, give these parents uh, more control over what's going on in the classroom? Well, I think the key to we the people being in charge is for us to control the purse. Uh, so I think if parents are in control of how the money that is already going to be spent on their children's education is spent, if they actually get to make those decisions, that will give the parents control over it. I also think we need to make sure that we are loosening uh, the restrictions the state has on education so that parents can make the best decisions about how they want their children taught what they want their children taught. Um, We need to get away from this workforce development idea, this mentality that the only reason for uh, public education is to to teach kids so they can be a a widget on the assembly line and go back to the understanding that we want to teach people to think because they were endowed by their creator with great potential, and we want them to realize that however they so choose. Would you be in favor of, as they say, the dollar follow the scholar? Of course. Isn't that why we spend money on education? It's not for buildings. It's not for staff members. It's it's not technically for teachers, although we need to pay teachers. It's to make sure that Johnny and Jill learn and learn how to think. I I used to say think critically, but I think I've lost that word. Now I say (laughs) analytically so that they can make their own decisions. They can be independent and and, and live in freedom and liberty. Uh, You know, I've seen other states pass legislation uh, to stop teaching the 1619 Project and other uh, left-leaning desires that they have. And uh, I'm thinking right now of uh, Tennessee. And the teachers just ignore it. And they just go ahead and teach it anyway. It's like, go ahead and stop me. How how do you get to them? Is is, is that, or was that would be uh, what the, the dollar follows the scholar idea cures that problem? I think the dollar follows a scholar helps with that. Um, And one thing that I think we need to realize is that teachers are not a monolithic block. 
I, I think the vast majority of teachers want to do a good job. They want to teach people to think. Uh, and sometimes they are trapped in a system with a school board, with a superintendent, where they're not able to teach because they're being made to do all these other things. And sometimes government is increasing those burdens. We need to get back to the basics. We need to teach people reading, writing, arithmetic, analytical thinking, so that when they have a good resource like a library, they can teach themselves, they can read source documents, and make their own decisions instead of being brainwashed. If you just turn the radio on, <coughs> pardon me, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is with us. Truth in sentencing laws, what is that about? Um, the idea, there, there are a couple of things that all go together in that. Uh, but one of the things is we want that when the judge sentences someone to a conviction, th that them to actually spend time that's meaningful, meaningfully related to that sentence. Um, we want to make sure uh, that we, I think the last probably 10 years, we've really emphasized trying to get people out of prison that shouldn't be there in the first place, and that's good. But we also need to make sure that the people that should be there, that are career criminals, that are just going to continue to offend and commit crimes in society when they get out, stay there. And we need to find a better way to make sure those people that, if we give them a chance, if we give them some life skills, they can become productive members of society. We need to incentivize them to take advantage of that and actually help them re-enter society and not re-enter prison in six months. The last session was not a particularly uh, eventful session. Not a lot got done. Uh, do you have higher hopes for this session? You know, I, 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 I have difficulty with that because on one side, I always think that we're safer and our liberties are protected when they don't do much. <laughs> but I also think that there are problems and solutions that only can come from state government. It's not going to happen from the one-sized all. Uh, approach to the federal government, and we need uh, the legislature to move and create more opportunity for people to make their own decisions. I, I'm always optimistic at the beginning. I'm going to fight hard, but things really get done when we, the people, make our voices heard. And if we, the people of Missouri, are making making calls, are making those letters, we can have a successful legislative session. You think there are a lot of us that just don't get involved, and in that if we did, it would make a difference? I mean, do you think? Uh, you know, I listen and talk with uh, people all day, every day, all across the state of Missouri, uh, and they're upset with the direction things are going. They're mad this didn't happen or upset that something did. But very few of them contact their legislators. Uh, is, is that complacency a problem? It is. Um, now, I, I, I think it's fair to say that people don't believe that what they say will make a difference. They've been worn down by politicians that say one thing and do another. Um, but we have to continue the fight. We are meant to be a country that is led by citizens, not led by kings or queens. Um, and when the people get involved, when the people get to the Capitol, we've seen changes made, especially in the last two years. We need to continue that. The great things we've done with our election reforms here in Missouri never would have happened just because of me alone. It was because the people of this state got up in arms. They started calling. They started getting down to the Capitol. That's why we saw change. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft with us. Transparency? Transparency. That's a new word, You, but don't use it. I, I'll just, it's my own word. Transparency uh, and accountability uh, in government. How do, you, how do you accomplish that? 
Well, there are a lot of things. I, I put out a library rule that doesn't ban any books, doesn't burn any books, but it says parents have to know the processes. They have to know what their children are getting into in libraries. They have to be able to control that. I don't want to control what some other person's child is looking at or what some other adult is looking at, but I want to make sure the information is there, the knowledge is there for parents to make good decisions. We filed an ESG rule that will be published uh, in the uh, Missouri Register in the middle of January that didn't say you can't invest in ESG products, but if someone is trying to sell you a security, they have to let you know if they're trying to sell it to you because it's in your best financial interest or there's some other reason that they're trying to sell it to you. Um, we need to have accountability with our taxpayer dollars, which goes right along with transparency. I'd love to see a constitutional amendment that would say that there can be no statewide taxes raised or extended or expanded without an affirmative vote of the people at a general election. And I'd like to say in that same amendment that no tax dollars may be spent unless they are appropriated by the legislature so that the people's house, the House of Representatives, has the ability to say, wait a minute, is this right or not? Um, I'm going I'm to close by going back to schools and uh, ask you another question about schools because uh, there's a story on the, uh, at the Washington Post yesterday's uh, Washington Post uh, about a novel uh, that uh, kids are being told to read uh, two 10-year-old boys who, quote, meet in the bushes after a church youth group gathering, touch each other's, uh, I'm going to just say genitalia, and progress to oral sex. Um, this kind of thing is going on. Instead of teaching biology, they seem to be teaching sexuality. And is that something schools should be doing? No, it isn't something schools should be doing. Um, if you look at reading scores and test scores, if you look at, at math scores, we are seeing more and more greater and greater percentages of children are not even reading at the third grade level or being able to do math at the sixth grade level when they're in math. We need to concentrate on those skills instead of trying to indoctrinate children to some sort of woke agenda. If parents want to talk about sex and things like that, that's their prerogative, it's their right, and they should be in control of that. I, I somehow wonder how it got to this, because it wasn't this way when I was a kid in school. Mr. Secretary, I know you're very busy, and I do appreciate your coming on board. Uh, we'll chat with you again next week, same time, same channel. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft on The Gary Nolan Show. Uh, Murray Sabrin, he's going to be with us so about uh, 5 after 10. Uh, in, in the meantime, I'll give you more details on this Washington Post story. It is really disgusting. It's the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 9.51. Glad to have you with us. Coming up, Dr. Murray Sabrin. Uh, I really love this guy. He's really, really smart. Uh, why politicians love inflation. He is a, a Ph.D. in economics uh, and, in fact, uh, teaches uh, or has taught it. Uh, and he'll also talk about when U.S. presidents lie, people die. Republican Congressman-elect George Santos lies, didn't kill anyone. Uh, you'll remember my position on Santos yesterday. So that's coming up in eh, about 15 minutes. Uh, in the meantime, let me go to the phones and let me get uh, James on the line. James, welcome. How are you? Gary, Happy New Year. I haven't talked to you in a while, so Happy New Year to you. I hope 2023 is a great year for you. Me too. And I hope hey, it is I wanted for you. To, I, I want to disagree with you, but let me make a comment about... Uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, I appreciate you having him on. And 
he's a proven leader, and he's he's who we need to be our next elected governor. I just hope he is. He says he's going to run. I've talked to him. He uh, he says all the right things. He's a true conservative, and these uh, Republicans in this state that seem to be uh, lost. I think he would help uh, lead them, or at least he would have the veto power, and uh, that's what we need. We need a leader in him. So wait, wait, I hope wait, wait, he's wait, our wait. next elected governor. Are you telling me that he he is a, he has said affirmatively he will run for governor? Well, he's kind of told me that, but let's let's see what happens. I mean, he's told me that, so and that's been a while back. So maybe you know, hopefully he hasn't changed his mind. But he and I had a conversation uh, several months ago. So. Anyway, he's, he's my horse in the race if he decides to run, and he's a leader that we need. But uh, we'll leave that up to him to announce it. But let's, uh, let's I want to disagree with you, and I totally get where you're coming from, but I've got total respect for Jim Jordan. I wish we had a, uh, a congressman in this state that had the backbone Jim Jordan does, but we don't. Um, when he says it's time for McCarthy to be elected, and he doesn't want it, I think it's time for these these ones that are holding out to come together. And I'm a Reagan Republican. You know, Reagan wasn't part of the establishment. You know, a lot of people did not want Reagan in 1980. But when Jordan says it's time to come together, that, that says it all to me. And, uh, you know, McCarthy's got some baggage, but he has made some concessions. It's time to suck it up. You know, the Republicans cannot stick together. Democrats stick together like glue, and the, and the Republicans scatter like quail. So when Jordan says what he's saying, that, that, that means a lot to me. Well, the problem is nothing has changed. The, the Republicans have displayed uh, a, a, a lack of willingness to truly be conservative. So, you know, they have faith that this guy can do it. I know he doesn't want to do it. There are others that might want to do it. But, you know, part of his decision might be, you know, you don't take a shot at the king unless you're sure you're going to kill him. Uh, and so he might not want to take a chance and stick his neck out and and say yes. I don't know. Uh, right. Uh, and I, and I, I know where you're coming from, and I don't totally disagree with you, but sometimes... You know, it's like when, when uh, and I worked for Reagan's campaign, I didn't like him picking Bush to be his VP, but, you know, he picked him, and look where it got us. It gave us eight years of Bill Clinton and eight years of Barack Hussein Obama from his son. So, you know, I, but let's see what happens. And But, you know, the, the Republicans need to get their act together, and they need to stick together. Well, what if, and I'll just throw this out there, what if they stick to their guns, and uh, they slowly begin to uh, pick up a head of steam, and they pick somebody else that's really conservative. Well, would that be a bad thing? As long as they can come together. You know, and Jim Jordan, it may be put to him that he may have to decide, yeah, I don't want it, but I have to do it for the, for the betterment of the Republican Party. I don't have a problem with that. I just want them to get this thing resolved. I don't want to see the racist Hakeem Jeffries be our next speaker. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. At well, least, who knows what's going to happen after the last many years, Gary? I, I can't believe where we're at now in this country. Yeah, we have really gone a long distance in the wrong direction. Hey, James, Listen, thank you for taking my call, and happy New Year to you. And let's hope Jay Ashcroft will be our next elected governor. All right, James, thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Um, I, I, I'm I am not going to endorse anybody. Uh, particularly uh, for governor.
um, because I have a terrible record. So I am not going to endorse him. But I will admit, I like the guy. I mean, I personally like him, and I like what he's saying. Uh, and I think he has the uh, testicular fortitude to stand behind it. All right, we got this. The story is um, at newsbusters.org. A Washington Post front pager decries misinformation on a novel with fourth grader sex scene. On the front page of Tuesday's Washington Post is a very passionate, very thorough defense of a novel with passages of two 10-year-old boys who meet in the bushes, this is in quotes, after a church youth group gathering, touch each other's genitalia, and progress to oral sex. That's the description by the Post, Washington Post education reporter Hannah uh, Nat Nattinson. The story went from the front page to the entire back page of the front section. Uh, how long was it? Uh, about a 17-minute read. Apparently, this mother slightly got the story wrong, and so the Washington Post is out defending the book. Not, uh, not you know, not livid, upset uh, that that this is being offered to kids in school. Oh no. No, no, she didn't quite get it right. Good Lord, how could anybody think that's something you would give to fourth graders to read? That's just insane. See, now, if you were a parent and you could send your kid to any school you wanted and that was on the reading list, you'd take your kid out of that school. Lots of you would. And that school would suffer. That's how the marketplace moves things. That's how things change. But as long as the government's getting the money, no matter what, this is what you end up with. It's downright ugly. Coming up in uh, just a few minutes, Dr. Murray Sabrin is going to be with us. Uh, I've uh, interviewed uh, Murray several times. He's, he's a great guy. Uh, he's an economist. Why politicians love inflation. The Federal Reserve's money, uh, money printing is mana from heaven uh, for governors. And also, when U.S. presidents lie, people die. Republican Congressman-elect George Santos lies. Uh, they didn't kill anybody. So we'll kind of kick that around with uh, Murray Sabrin uh, in the next few minutes. And then finally at uh, 11 o'clock, uh, we're going to talk about a fundraiser here in Columbia and see what they're doing in the House of Representatives. That's all right here today on the Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.